0: morning, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, cops and kids are going shopping this weekend. Teresa White of the Fort Finley FOP Lodge 20 Foundation explains what makes this annual event so special for all involved. Also this morning, the latest groundbreaking research from the Michael J. Fox Foundation aims to help doctors understand how ethnic and genetic diversity impacts the progression and treatment of Parkinson's disease. The 2024 enrollment deadline for Medicare recipients is tomorrow. We have last-minute information and reminders for those who still have yet to decide on their coverage for the coming year. And we'll get details on year-end programs and events at the Hancock Historical Museum. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, December 6th, 2023. Here's your opportunity to get in the Christmas spirit By giving the big guy a hand with all of those letters. (laughs) I thought this was really cool. Uh, Airbnb is offering a stay in Santa Claus Cabin in Finland. I guess if, yeah, Santa Claus Cabin. Uh, I guess it's his summer retreat. Uh, If you live at the North Pole, you go south, you end up in Finland. So it's north for most of us, but for Santa, (laughs) it would be south. Um, Airbnb offering a stay in Santa Claus's cabin in Finland. And while you are there, you can log some time at Santa's official post office, which is expected to receive over 30,000 letters daily from kids and even adults all around the world this Christmas. Um, it says here guests will be given a crash course in elfing by the chief elf and host, who will work with her team to help sort through the letters from children and adults around the world, cross-referencing with Santa's naughty and nice list. But it's not just an honest day's work. Guests can also experience the joy of the holiday season from the Arctic Circle. Uh, The home-sharing company says it comes complete with traditional Finnish meals, a snowmobile activity. don't know what that is. Um a trip to see the Northern Lights, and the most Finnish experience of all, a traditional sauna. The especially festive stay apparently is free. It says here it is free. But it's not open. I mean, it's not like everybody can go. Um, Apparently, they're giving this away, but you have to register. And uh, the... Especially festive stay, it says, opens December 11th at Airbnb.com slash Santa, if you are interested in traveling to Finland and helping out the big guy. (laughs) That's actually kind of cool. You don't have to, as it turns out, though, this is kind of interesting. Among the first things you need to know this morning. The most interesting and buzzworthy stories, the most important stories of the day to lead off the program this morning. You don't have to travel all the way to Finland to give the big guy a hand. Apparently, there is a shortage of Santas in this country, believe it or not. Uh, Mitch Allen with HireSanta.com says there is a supply and demand crisis when it comes to jolly old St. Nick in America, They are having trouble, they say, keeping up with requests for Santas, uh, mall Santas and store Santas and so on. This Christmas season, they have a shortage of Santas. The problem, according to HireSanta.com, is that there are fewer Santas around. There are fewer individuals who are portraying the jolly old elf uh, at these uh, Santa meet and greets. And there are a couple of reasons for this. First and foremost, they say COVID took its toll on overweight senior citizens disproportionately as compared to the rest of the population. So, Santas were hit hard by COVID. And many Santa impersonators have been slow to get back into events with a lot of kids. Uh, Mr. Allen says the result is that weekends are already booked in most markets, and they've had to turn away requests for Santas. So, if you've ever thought about getting into the business of uh, portraying jolly old Saint Nick, uh, there has never been a better time, apparently. Serious stuff here. What will we do without visits, visits from Santa? I mean, come on! That's... Uh let's see here. Speaking of naughty and nice lists, I saw this. We always get the uh, year-end lists and um the folks at uh, bestcasinosites.net <laughs> bestcasinosites.net um put out a, a a survey that reveals America's most dishonest cities. Um the cities you want to cl- uh, steer clear From uh, when it comes to the old saying, honesty is the best policy, because in these cities, what they did uh, is they tested people. Um, Imagine yourself walking. Well, I guess they didn't really test people. They just asked if you were walking down the street and something catches your eye. It turns out it is a wad of cash that someone accidentally dropped on the sidewalk. You scan the scene and realize no one is around. Do you keep the cash or do you call the authorities and turn it in? Uh, the survey reveals that nearly half of Americans would pocket the money. Uh, this survey, bestcasinosites.net, 6,600 Americans participated in the survey. Um, and they asked who would take the chance to keep $1000 found on the street and who would turn it in be honest 47% uh, 47% of people overall 47% of people would uh, would keep the money if no one witnessed them pick it up and the most dishonest city in the country detroit detroit 62% Of people in Detroit said that they would keep the money. Uh, The rest of the top three most dishonest cities, uh, Memphis and New Orleans. Um, Baltimore is at 59%. Uh, Let's see here. San Antonio is 58%. Uh, On the other hand, uh, this is kind of interesting. Uh, Cities including Boston, Fresno, Minneapolis, San Jose, and Denver were an even 50-50. And Jacksonville, Florida had the lowest number of respondents who would keep the money, just 38%. Um, Los Angeles, Tulsa, and Atlanta, the most honest cities on the list. Uh, The only Ohio city that I saw on the list just in case you're interested, uh, was Columbus. And in Columbus, 58% of people would keep the money and 42% would turn it over to authorities. So just slightly more dishonest than honest. So it was the only Ohio City that I saw uh, on the list. Kind of interesting. Uh, Testing our honesty there and some amazing science to share with you this morning. This is (laughs) I thought (laughs) I saw this story on the newswire and uh, this struck me as data from the file research from the file of duh. It says doctors believe that fentanyl exposure in pregnant women can lead to birth defects. Well, duh. (laughs) I mean, they say, don't drink, don't smoke when you're pregnant. You would think fentanyl use would probably be a no-no as well. If you can't can't drink and smoke, probably taking fentanyl is a bad thing as well. But this is brand new research uh, published. I'm not sure in which medical journal this is published, but it is recently published findings show that at least uh, 10 babies who were born to mothers who had used fentanyl have been identified with distinctive birth defects. Um, researchers say no common genetic cause has been uncovered, no common genetic cause has been uncovered, so they suspect that fentanyl uh, may be the reason. Yeah, you think? You think? Uh, the uh, study's co-authors uh, add that more work is needed to confirm the findings. But I'm thinking, duh, Yeah. And uh, finally, this morning, among the first things you need to know, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories uh, of the day, speaking of scientific research, studies show, <laughs> Are you, well, first of all, let me ask, are you a cat person or no? I mean, people, it, it seems like people have very strong opinions uh, on on owning cats. There are cat people and there are very strong not cat people. There are very few people that I've run into anyway that are wishy-washy when it comes to cat ownership. You are either a big cat person or you're not. Very little in between. Well, studies show that owning a cat could double your chances of schizophrenia. (laughs) I saw that headline and I was like, hmm, because I'm not necessarily a cat person. Um, and again, I know lots of people who are, which is great. I'm just not. Um, studies show that owning a cat could double your chances of schizophrenia. Researchers in Australia examined the results of 17 different studies in 11 countries over the course of 44 years and found that people who were around cats before the age of 25 had twice uh, the chance of developing the mental disorder, schizophrenia, double the chances of developing sch- is schizophrenia. Scientists believe that it is because of a parasite, a certain parasite found in cats, which can enter the human body and affect the brain. So here you go. One more reason to not <laughs> have cats around. <laughs> Make of that what, it, what you will. I just throw it out there for what it's worth to make sure that you are aware of this important scientific research. Those <laughs> with cats, double the chances of schizophrenia. Which explains a lot about a lot of cat people that I know. There you go. Uh, some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started.
1: WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Mostly cloudy today, high in the upper 30s, mostly cloudy tonight, uh, low around 30. It took longer than anticipated, but crews were able to move an apartment building from one part of Finley to another. The apartment building was previously on Grand Avenue near the YMCA and was moved to West McPherson Avenue and will serve as the bones for a new apartment project. The move took place on Tuesday and the Ohio State Highway Patrol assisted with traffic and road closures. The building will be part of a new three-story apartment building that will be located in the 300 block of West McPherson Avenue, east of the AEP substation. Get more on the project and see some video of the move in the story on our website. The City of Finley will be receiving $2 million in federal money to help repair deteriorating sewer pipelines in the Eagle Creek neighborhood and support the Spring Lake Subdivision Sewer Rebuild. Finley Mayor Christina Mern.
2: The H2Ohio funds have been critical to invest in the Finley and Hancock County community. We have a really big responsibility to protect our freshwater resources, and being able to make small projects in any incremental fashion is really beneficial and is going to help protect our water for decades and generations to come.
1: Learn more about the H2Ohio program and how this grant will benefit Finley in the story on our website. There's a new policy in place overseeing the use of artificial intelligence within Ohio's state government.
3: The policy includes training for employees about when it's appropriate to use AI and establishes some guidelines for that technology as it creates content like codes and videos. There will also be controls in place to ensure the AI sticks to state security and privacy laws. Lieutenant Governor John Husted says the framework is meant to help Ohio use that technology responsibly. I'm Tracy Townsend.
1: The Hancock Park District's 28th Annual Photography Contest is underway. To be eligible for judging, photographs must be taken in the Hancock Park system from the Blanchard River Greenway Trail or of the Blanchard River. Eligible photographs at Riverside Park must be taken along the waterfront, which is the area managed by the Hancock Park District. Get more details on the contest in the story on our website. And remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com.
0: And now to our cover story this morning. Cops and kids are going shopping this weekend. Teresa White, the Fort Finley FOP Lodge 20 Foundation, is with us this morning. Teresa, thanks very much for dropping by. This is the big event of the year. I mean, it's not the only thing that you do, but this is really the penultimate event the event uh, for the uh, Fort Finley FOP Lodge 20 Foundation.
3: Absolutely. Thanks for having us in this morning, Chris. We really appreciate it. We do have five programs at the Fort Finley FOP Lodge 20 Foundation, but Cops and Kids Go Shopping is our marquee program, and it is the thing that our officers look forward to all year, every year. So
0: I I was going to ask, because this is is quite an event for everybody involved. I mean, obviously the kids... Because that's what it's all about. But the officers who get to shop with the kids uh, really take a lot away from this as well.
3: Absolutely. I mean, everybody can imagine how amazing this is for the kids. Yeah. You know, they get $200 and they get their own private policeman and they get to go shopping uh, for whatever it is really that they want or need for Christmas. Mm -hmm. Um, But what tends to get lost is how important this is for our officers. Our members show up and interact with the public all day. Every day at the worst possible moment of people's mm-hmm. lives. Right. In a car crash or after their home has been broken into. And now they get to spend two hours at Meyer on Saturday morning making Christmas wishes come true. Mm-hmm. They get hugs and high fives instead of knocking heads and handcuffs. It's, right. It's absolutely fantastic for our officers. They start asking in September. Hey, what's the date? I need to make sure I get the morning <laughs> off. I need to make sure I'm there. What's the date? Have you yeah. picked the date yet? Mm-hmm. Um, and they are still talking about it. March, April, I'll pop in on station to drop off some goodies. And hey, do you remember that little girl that we got the Barbie car for? Mm-hmm. They're still talking about it. Yeah. So it does amazing things for our members as well.
0: Yeah. Um, and each, you were saying before we went on the air, which I thought was uh, interesting, uh, the officers uh, take multiple kids in many cases. Not they do. They do.
3: They do. Our our membership is about a hundred and four officers. Okay. So if we had even participation, which we can't because they have to work, you know, they work shift work and things like that. Somebody's got
0: to be on duty at that time. Somebody's
3: got to be on duty, but even if we had 100% participation, Mm -hmm. we take between 125 and 150 kids. Yeah. So, So. our officers show up and they take anywhere from three to five kids shopping, you know, one at a time, individualized attention always. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they take multiple kids. Because
0: I, I was going to ask, how do you select the officers who get to shop with the kids? But basically, it's anybody who wants to. It is all hands on
3: deck. All hands on deck.
0: So how do you, where do the kids come from? I mean, how do you select what kids, uh, you know, get to participate in this?
3: We reach out to the schools. Mm -hmm. So the Hancock County and Finley City Schools, the teachers and the counselors do a phenomenal job referring children to us. Either kids who maybe could use a little bit of extra help at Christmas time or maybe those who need a positive interaction with law enforcement. Mm -hmm. We work really closely with the schools to determine the children who would get the most benefit out of the program.
0: So that's interesting that there is a... A law enforcement community building type component to this beyond just, you know, doing something nice for the for kids in need uh, during the holiday season.
3: Absolutely. Building positive interactions is one of the most important things. Our kids are our future. Mm -hmm. And if we're teaching our children that if they are hurt or if they need help, that they can trust a police officer. That's going to carry into adulthood. And Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that's very important for our foundation.
0: So, by the way, this is all made possible by events such as the Halloween parade that we just got through. Um, You know, and That is a big part of, you know, making all of this happen.
3: Absolutely. The Cops and Kids uh, programming is fully funded by donations from the community. Mm -hmm. So the Halloween parade is phenomenal. I mean, we are very excited for the community support for that, but it really only funds about a third of our programming every year. Mm -hmm. So we just sent out, we sent out letters um, to be a Cops and Kids champion. And if you would like to donate to that, you can always visit our website, which is fortfinleyfop20.org.
0: Because folks can still donate for uh, for this, maybe uh, taking care of this year, but uh, you know, all year long looking to raise funds to make this happening happen in perpetuity,
3: absolutely. It's been a really tough year in Hancock County. Um, people still coming out of Covid and things like that getting taken care of. It's mm-hmm. been a real tough year in Hancock County. So fundraising has been really slow this year. So we are still accepting donations for this Sunday's shopping event. Oh, wow. Okay. And, um, and absolutely, any donations that are raised over and above what we need for our programming, Uh, go into the Cops and Kids Champion Fund to ensure that our programming continues year-round.
0: Again, as we mentioned, this is not the only thing that you do, and we've talked about other uh, events, but just uh, for reference, what are some of the other things that you do throughout the course of the year?
3: So we've got Cops and Kids Get Involved. Any one of our officers that want to get involved in any sort of youth initiative, we want to make sure that finances isn't a barrier for that. Mm -hmm. So say, for example, we have an officer that wants to coach a softball team. They want to coach a little league team. We want to make sure that we've got the funds available for that. Um, We had a law enforcement conference was here in Finley earlier this year, and we had the members from the conference and some of our FOP members have a kickball tournament against the kids from the Y. So any opportunity that we have to create positive interaction between youth and law enforcement, we're going to be there for that. Um, We also have Cops and Kids Get Creative is another one of our programs where we have the kids get together with our officers and create a piece of art together. Um, Cops and kids go back to school is our only program that's relegated just to law enforcement. Mm-hmm. It's not relegated just to members, but any law enforcement officer in Hancock County, we get their families together for a day in private, away from the world, where they can actually let their hair down and have have good quality time with their family. Yeah, um, it's more of a mental health event, a a good break from mm-hmm. that horribleness that we were talking about earlier. right? Um, and we are currently working on funding an endowment for Cops and Kids Go to College, which is a memorial scholarship for Officer Doug Akers. We lost Doug five years ago on New Year's Eve. Um, his death shocked our community, and we would like to memorialize him in the form of a scholarship.
0: So for all of these reasons, fundraising uh, continues for the uh, foundation, and you mentioned you can do that online. Absolutely. You can go to Fort
3: FortFinleyFOP20.org, or you can send a check to P.O. Box 1335 here in Finley. Uh, Like I said, fundraising has been very slow this year, so we are still accepting donations for the event this Sunday. But anything that's raised over and above what we need this Sunday will go into the Cops and Kids Champion Fund, ensuring that those positive interactions continue year-round.
0: It's terrific work uh, that uh, the Cops and Kids program does and the uh, foundation does year-round for the Cops and Kids Go Shopping event that is this Sunday, right?
3: It is this Sunday. So if you are doing your if you are doing your grocery shopping Sunday morning at Meyer, please do not panic when you pull into the parking lot and you see twenty cruisers there. Please don't panic. Uh, we will be there. We will be shopping. We have invited, I believe, we've invited one hundred and twenty five children, but we still have more coming in. Okay. Um, so we will be there starting as early as seven thirty in the morning, and um, depending on how many kids we have and how many volunteers we have, we could be there as late as noon.
0: Wow. That is uh, awesome. And again, it's got to be uh, terrific to see the kids' faces light up when they learn they can pretty much buy whatever they want.
3: Whatever they want. Yeah. We had we had a, a couple of years ago, we had a little girl who was scared to death. She she walked in. She was maybe four years old. She was scared to death of all the police officers. She didn't know what to do. Yeah. Um, she had had some pretty bad history with law enforcement. She had been removed from her family. And, even at the age of four. Even at the age of four. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, I was paired with an officer to go and help her shop and she wouldn't look at him. She wouldn't look at him, she wouldn't talk to him, she wanted nothing to do with him. Wow. And he tried so hard. During the entire time that we were shopping, he would get down on one knee and talk to her and she would hide behind the shopping cart. And we got all done. There was this big beautiful Barbie house, a new winter coat, you know, all of the neat things like that. We got all done and he was like, "Well, I hope you have a good Christmas." And he turned to walk away, and she just shouted him, Officer Brian! And went running towards him and gave him a great big hug. And and that's what this is all about. Yeah, That little girl's perspective of law enforcement had changed through that. And that officer, I know for a fact when he's having a rough day, he remembers that hug and he feels a little bit better.
0: Oh, absolutely. And it's interesting that it's not all toys that many of these kids go after. I mean, I'm sure that most of them will have a wish list in the back of their mind of the things that they want just you know, because they're kids. But uh, a lot of the things that they pick... Uh,
3: Necessities. Yeah. Necessities. So really um, a you. couple of years ago, we entered into a phenomenal partnership with Coats for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, as everybody knows, Coats for Christmas, the drive was last week and the event is this weekend. Every single child that is selected for Cops and Kids Go Shopping gets to go to Coats for Christmas Friday night before the rest of the public... And they get to take their entire household. Hmm. So now we don't just have this child that gets new winter gear and new toys and everything else. The Hmm. entire family is outfitted for winter.
0: Yeah. So making it a little bit better uh, for families in need and also, again, continuing to build that trust and build those relationships.
3: Absolutely. All we want to make sure that the whole family gets help, not just the child. And so it does. It creates more of a positive interaction, more positive relationships between our community and our law enforcement.
0: Very cool. Cops and kids going shopping this weekend. Teresa White, the Fort Findlay FOP Lodge 20 Foundation with us this morning. Again, for the uh, website for folks who want to learn more is... Fort Findlay, F- op20.org which is linked up at our webpage as well Teresa thanks very much for dropping by Merry Christmas
3: Merry Christmas
0: to you a pretty amazing story to share with you this morning from the health and medical file remember about a month ago Apple TV plus the streaming platform premiered the biographical documentary Still a Michael J. Fox movie. And uh, the actor did a number of interviews, various media outlets to promote uh, this uh, documentary um, about his experience living with Parkinson's disease. You know, he was diagnosed 33 years ago. And Michael J. Fox, something of a medical miracle because uh, most people who are diagnosed with Parkinson's uh are gone within 20 years. Uh and and he's been living with this for 33 years. He admitted it's getting tougher, uh is getting more difficult, more medications are are needed uh to remain functional and he acknowledges that most likely he is in the latter stages of his life. Um but the uh the film, the uh, documentary uh movie about his life uh still Michael J Fox movie uh talks a lot about uh his uh work with his foundation uh in research to try and cure the dis- uh, this uh disease uh, obviously Michael J Fox legacy people remember the tv and-, and film work that he has done over the years but it is his foundation and all the research that they have done and continue to do into the disease Uh, That will be his true legacy. It is still Parkinson's, the fastest growing neurodegenerative neurodegenerative disease that affects some 6 million people worldwide, a number that is expected to double by 2040. But this is really the interesting part. Until recently, much of what we do understand about the biology of Parkinson's has been somewhat lacking in genetic diversity. And joining us this morning to explain why that is important and what they are doing about it is Alyssa O'Grady. She is vice president of clinical research at the Michael J. Fox Foundation. She is joined by Alan Dance, who is a research participant as an individual living with Parkinson's disease risk factors. And Alyssa, I want to start with you. What are the key Parkinson's risk factors and how is your brain study this one that Alan is participating in that we reference, how is this helping to find out more about these risk factors?
2: So the Michael J. Fox Foundation is on a mission to end Parkinson's disease. And as part of that, we have a major study called the Parkinson's Progression Markers Initiative, PPMI has helped us learn more about risk for Parkinson's already and is continuing to do so, uh, in part by leading to a really significant research breakthrough that happened earlier this year. PPMI and the Michael J. Fox Foundation helped to discover a new tool that can detect the Parkinson's protein in the spinal fluid of people diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, but also in people who we believe to be at a higher risk for Parkinson's. And when we talk about risk for Parkinson's, we talk about a few factors, aging being one of them, uh, but also some more specific factors that may be surprising. Things like changes to your sleep patterns and different types of sleep disturbances, as well as loss of sense of smell, which can be an early indicator of changes to brain health. Hmm.
0: And explain more about why ethnic and genetic diversity is important in this research, because that's the other thing that I thought was really interesting here.
2: We need to be including people from all backgrounds to really paint a full picture of Parkinson's disease. If you only study Parkinson's in a white population, for example, then you'll understand it in the white population, but you won't know what Parkinson's looks like and how to treat Parkinson's in other populations. So it's crucial for us to be including people of all backgrounds in uh, our Parkinson's research studies. PPMI is very interested in getting people from all communities to raise their hand to participate.
0: So, uh, Alan, I want to bring you into the conversation here. As we mentioned, you are participating in this study. Talk about your uh, experience in living with some of these risk factors.
4: You bet. Um, it first began for me before I realized it. Um, about 30 years ago, um, I started to recognize that compared to others, I had a poor sense of smell. Um, I didn't realize what that was a risk factor for. Um, you know, 30 years later, fast forward now, um, I developed REM sleep behavior disorder a couple of years ago. And what that fundamentally is, is that when I sleep, and I have dreams, my body sometimes starts to move in bed and act out the dream that I'm having. So for example, if I'm dreaming, I'm playing basketball or volleyball, my hands will go up as if I'm trying to block a shot. Hmm. Or if I'm dreaming, I'm at work making a presentation, I'll suddenly start sleeping, or I'm sorry, I'll start talking right there in bed while I'm asleep. Or if there's something funny going on, I'll start laughing. Hmm. Um, And, you know, that was really the key thing. That got us looking into it. My girlfriend first noticed these things because mm-hmm. <clears throat> quite frankly, I was asleep when they were going on. Right. And, you know, we made the, made the connection, went and got a diagnosis. And as soon as I was diagnosed, I said, okay, I've got to join the battle here. Um, I've got a responsibility. Well, and, you know, one of the things we discovered is there's not enough African Americans participating in the study. And that really made me feel an an absolute responsibility to enroll in the study and participate as well.
0: Now, uh, Alyssa, you mentioned, you know, obviously, and it stands to reason that you want to have this ethnic uh, diversity uh, in terms of research. Are the differences... Uh, in various ethnicis, ethnicities, genetic makeups, and so on, are those subtle or are they really dramatic? I mean, what is the what is the difference uh, when you talk about one group of individuals versus another?
2: The short answer is we don't yet know because, mm. as Alan mentioned, there's been a shortage of people um, from the Black and African American community yeah. and from other underserved communities in studies. What I can tell you is that when you do include people from all backgrounds in your research, you can find new hints at ways to treat the disease, and nothing illustrates that better than a genetic breakthrough that the Fox Foundation helped to usher in earlier this year. Scientists discovered a genetic change specific to African and African-American populations that shows individuals at a higher risk for Parkinson's. And this change had never been observed before because prior Parkinson's genetic studies only looked at individuals of Northern European ancestry. Mm.
0: So uh, again, uh, just underscores what you were saying earlier, that this has been a very big year for Parkinson's research. We're not to a cure yet, but obviously these are substantial steps uh, coming closer to that. Absolutely. And uh, Alan, similarly, what Alyssa was just saying, underscores the importance, really validates uh, you're getting involved in this research to help understand these genetic and ethnic differences.
4: Absolutely. It's a critical thing to find out. And you're not going to know unless you have a representative population of African-Americans and other ethnicities as well participate in the study. And it's an easy thing to do you know, your your listeners can join the PPMI study this evening.
0: And Alyssa, that was going to be my next question, how this is an ongoing study. So, obviously, uh, putting out the word that more folks are, are needed to participate, the more the better, like with any research, I guess. And how can someone take action to get started?
2: People with and without Parkinson's from all backgrounds are needed for this study. You can learn more and sign up for PPMI at michaeljfox.org slash get started.
0: Simple as that. We will also link it up on our webpage so folks can learn more about it. As we said amazing stuff from the health and medical file from the Michael J. Fox Foundation. Alyssa O'Grady is vice president of clinical research and Alan Dance, a research participant. Thank you both for taking the time this morning. We appreciate it.
2: Thank you so much.
0: All right. Thank you, Chris. So the last call, this is last call for Medicare open enrollment. We've been talking about this for quite some time over the past several weeks. And now the deadline to select coverages for 2024 is tomorrow if you are a Medicare recipient. And uh, with that in mind, that deadline looming uh, just about 24 hours or so from now, Joining us this morning with some important last minute guidance for those who still have yet to get this done is Bobby Hunter from United Healthcare. And, Bobby, it can be really tempting at this point, at this late date, to just let one's current coverage roll over, which you can do, or just pick the first advantage plan that you see. But it's important to know that that may not be the best option.
5: Yeah, to start selecting the right Medicare plan can certainly be one of the most important decisions a person makes, but not only for their health, also for their wallet. If you've experienced any changes, whether it be to your health status or financial situation, a decision to do nothing could lead to some unpleasant surprises or just missed opportunities in
0: 2024. Yeah, that's the, the big thing is the uh, potential for a missed opportunity to save money or have additional benefits that uh, maybe you uh, could take advantage of. Um, but here's the thing, as you well know, uh, those who are medical, Medicare eligible for the past couple of months have been bombarded with information. So how do you help people kind of narrow down from that myriad of choices?
5: Yeah, absolutely. So you know, you said it, choosing the right Medicare plan can certainly feel and be overwhelming at times. So focusing your attention in a few key areas can really help make the process significantly easier. First, I would say confirm that your doctors and hospitals are in network with whatever plan you are considering. Ultimately, access to affordable, quality health care is critical when choosing a plan. I'm happy to say for 2024, United Healthcare will again offer Medicare Advantage's largest national provider network now across even more plans. That means wherever you are in the country, members will pay in-network costs when seeing any of our more than 1 million care providers. Um, second, double-check that all of your medications are covered. Even if you aren't shopping for a new plan, it's critical to make sure that your regular prescriptions will still be covered by your plan next year. And hey, look into home delivery if you like the convenience of getting your medications delivered right to your doorstep. Um, Lastly, don't forget about all the extra benefits. Many people are often surprised to learn that original Medicare doesn't typically cover services like dental, vision, hearing, and more. Right. However, most Medicare Advantage plans do.
0: With respect to that, are there any new benefits, new features that folks should uh, be particularly uh, interested in or watch uh, things to watch for? Um, in generally speaking,
5: yeah. um, many plans now have features designed to simplify your healthcare experience. Which is another great reason to take the time to research your options. Um, United Healthcare we're focused on delivering a simple and seamless experience for our members. That means making benefits easy to use and easy to access. Um, we know our members are loving what we call the United Healthcare U Card. This is our all-in-one card that opens doors to what matters most in healthcare, whether it be your doctor's office, the pharmacy, or other eligible benefits. And the UCART is also fully integrated with the members' online portal and the digital app. It's all about making the healthcare experience simple.
0: Now, what if someone misses the deadline of December 7th? What then?
5: Yep. So if you're already enrolled in Medicare Advantage, you do have a little bit of a grace period. Um, In the first quarter of 2024, January, February, March, you do have one more chance to make sure that you're in the right plan for you. Um, that said, December 7th is a really important date, so make sure to do your, do your diligence, um, speak with your broker, speak with, um, other representatives who can help take you through that information. And uh, make sure you have the right plan in place when you come up to 2024.
0: Absolutely. Again, uh, Bobby Hunter is Chief Product Officer, Medicare Advantage at United Healthcare. With a final reminder that that deadline is looming large now. Where do we get more information?
5: So, for great educational information about Medicare in general, you can visit com. All
0: right. We will link those resources up on our webpage as well. Bobby, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it.
5: Yeah, thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. You're listening to Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on
4: 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert.
0: have a Christmas-themed broken news item here, and you talk about a Grinch. This is a real-life Grinch out of San Mateo, California. <coughs> Somebody's scared caught on surveillance video pulling up beside a parked car and stealing the Christmas tree off the roof of the car and then driving off, all while the owners were doing their holiday shopping. Now that's, that's just wrong. Stealing somebody's Christmas tree. They had it you know, tied down to the top of the vehicle. Obviously, they go to the uh, tree lot. They pick out their tree. And then they do a little shopping, and this guy comes up and he steals the tree right off the roof of the car. uh, car. So far, police have not identified the thief, but they are keeping an eye out for similar thefts as the holiday season progresses. As for the victims of this dastardly theft, the tree lot was kind enough to provide them with a replacement tree free of charge. So kudos to the Christmas tree lot. For making it right, but that's just wrong. I mean, how that's beyond Grinch. That's just terrible. Uh elsewhere in the uh, broken news <laughs> Um this out of uh Florida, and I'm not sure exactly where in Florida this is. Michael Gordon was recently arrested. He's been accused of obstructing a burglary investigation. The arrest warrant says several witnesses uh, saw Mr. Gordon entering an unlocked car in a parking lot. He refused to identify himself when authorities arrived. Uh, He refused to identify himself. That led to the charge of obstructing an investigation. Uh, He was told that he would be charged. If he didn't identify himself and he continued to review uh, to refuse, the only thing he would say, call my lawyer. And uh, he <laughs> what makes this interesting is the shirt, the T-shirt he was wearing when he was uh, placed under arrest. The T-shirt read, I just got out of prison. And as it turns out, Mr. Gordon did just get out of prison. He was released from jail in March of this year, <laughs> and now he's back. <laughs> he was wearing a very appropriate shirt. <clears throat> I just got out of prison, and, uh, <laughs> and now he's back. Uh, so a very distinctive and appropriate uh, shirt there that he was wearing. Um, <laughs> once they found out who he was, they found out, yes, he had just been released from prison. From the international file, the broken news, this is kind of uh, interesting. Police in the small Italian village of Vastro, uh, Vasto Girardi. Uh Police were stumped. Someone was slashing the tires of parked cars near the center of the village. Uh, they couldn't figure it out. Undercover officers failed to spot the culprit, but newly installed security cameras... Managed to solve the mystery last week. The slasher is a dog named Billy. (laughs) Uh, According to uh, Deputy Mayor Remo Scochera, this has all been very puzzling as we couldn't figure out who could possibly be going around cutting tires or what the motive would be. Uh, Police have not speculated about Billy's motive. But veterinarians say that Billy might have some kind of mouth ailment that is causing him to chew on the tires to relieve discomfort. And apparently he's got strong enough teeth that he's actually slashing the tires or cutting holes in the tires uh, that left them uh, losing air. No details were provided on what type of dog Billy is. But they say his owner is gonna be on the hook for the damage to all of the tires that were flattened by Billy the dog. That's crazy. A dog slashing like all those tires. I gotta wonder what's the dog doing running around loose downtown the center of the city is in the first place. Anyway, still so many questions. Um, one of the most uh, unusual traffic stops in Council Bluffs, Iowa. A driver was pulled over on I-80 clocked doing 115 miles an hour. The trooper who pulled him over and inquired about his speeding, "Do you know how fast you were going?" I got you going 115. The driver then admitted that he had topped out at 136 miles an hour. 115? That's nothing. I hit 136, the driver said. According to the Iowa State Patrol and the official report of the incident, the driver told the trooper that initially he was speeding because he was running late for work, but then he decided to see just how fast his car would go. He was speeding because he was late for work initially, and then he was like, "Yeah, what the heck? Let's see how fast I can go. (laughs) 136. So I don't know whether he's been charged. I mean, obviously, he's been charged with speeding, reckless operation. I mean, you get into that level of speeding. There are all kinds of additional charges beyond just speeding that would apply but I don't know whether they officially listed it at 115 where he was clocked or 136 that he admitted to. But either way, he's in a bit of trouble and probably will not have to worry about how fast his car will go for quite some time. He'll probably have a restriction, <clears throat> shall we say, uh, on his uh, driving ability. And finally, in the broken news this morning, a story with a happy ending. The Indiana State Lottery Commission has decided to award a $50,000 prize to a lucky winner even after the store employee tore up his ticket. Now, there's, the store employee was not being mean. There's a story behind this. Paul Marshall went back to the store that he purchased the ticket from to verify his claim. So he has the lottery ticket. His numbers came up in the lottery drawing so he takes his ticket in to the store that he bought it it's a $50,000 winner and the um, the employee uh checked the ticket and then tore it in half out of habit <laughs> it says they have so many people come in who check their tickets and they're all losers so just out of habit he tore tore it in half and went to throw it away um now, according to, the, according to the rules, so you can see where, I mean, you just force a habit, you tear it in half. And then he realized after he tore it in half, oops, according to official rules of the lottery in order to claim prizes that are that large, $50,000, the physical ticket must be present. Fortunately, the Indiana Lottery Commission voted in Mr. Marshall's favor to go ahead and award the prize, even without an intact ticket, after video footage confirmed that the store employee ripped the ticket after checking it in the lottery terminal. So they did have the record that it was, in fact, a winner before it was torn up. And they're going to go ahead and award him the prize. A good thing, too, because, I mean, if they decided not to award the prize, how would you like to be the store clerk? <laughs> With that kind of mistake, there you go. Uh, That is uh, today's broken news report, an update on the odd and unusual side of the
1: headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. When local news breaks, you can hear about it on social media at lightning speed. And while getting you the information fast is important, WFIN will always present the story only after verifying with actual sourced facts. This is WFIN News Director Matt Demchek. Trust the voice that's been covering the news in Finley and Hancock County for more than 80 years. You can depend on us to get the story right every time. On social media, 1330 WFIN, WFIN WFIN.com and at 95.5 FM. And now, your daily download, the
0: numbers behind the news, and the statistics that shape our lives. Show of hands, and be honest now, have you ever re-gifted something that you have received for Christmas? Whether it's because you didn't like it, it didn't fit, uh, you know, whatever, it didn't work, whatever. Have you ever re-gifted something that you have uh, received? If so... You are not alone in a new survey commissioned by Casino.org, <laughs> which I don't know why Casino.org is particularly interested in this, but they were, and they put out a survey, and they find that 47.9% of Americans have passed off a gift that they have been given to someone else. At least 47.9% of Americans admit to re-gifting, uh, 25 percent, one in four, say that they have sold a gift that they received that they didn't want or didn't need or didn't fit or whatever. One in four said that they have sold that gift. And by the way, they have made, on average, $60 in profit doing so. So there is that. Two out of five, so about 40 percent, have admitted to tossing a gift that they didn't like. <laughs> they they don't regift it, they don't sell it, they just toss it. Forty percent. The survey also showed that clothing items are the most disappointing gift to get for most of the respondents. So either uh, most likely to be re-gifted or sold or just tossed. And I clothing for me, I, I hardly ever buy clothing for anyone because it's so hard. I mean, you have to get the right style and then you have to get the right size. And so many things can go wrong with clothing that I tend to avoid that. But for that very reason, and apparently more of us should, at least according to the survey. Now, all of this being said, we try to be nice about it. 93.2% have kept a Christmas present that they disliked or didn't use. And 70% say they did it to spare the feelings of the gift giver. So... All of that was the overarching stuff from the uh, from the survey, but digging a little deeper here into this uh, survey, they what they further de- then did is break down state by state the naughty and nice scale, uh, naughty being most likely to re gift, and nice being least likely to re gift. And on the naughty versus nice scale, Alabama. <laughs> Not so sweet home Alabama ranked as the naughtiest state in the regifting game. They scored a zero out of a hundred on the niceness scale. Zero <laughs> in Alabama. Uh, only fifty-two percent of people in Alabama would hold on to an unwanted Christmas gift to spare someone's feeling. Uh, they are the fourth highest in regifting frequency. Sixty percent. And they are the sixth highest, I thought this was an interesting metric, sixth most likely to accidentally re-gift a present to the original gift giver. <laughs> Oops. After Alabama, the naughtiest states in the re-gifting game, Indiana, Arizona, Florida, and Nevada. The nicest states, by contrast, Mississippi with a 100 out of 100 on the scale. They are perfect. The regifting. Montana, Maine, Vermont, Wisconsin and West Virginia tied for fifth on the nicest list. And Ohio, well, we don't fare too well. We only scored a 35 out of 100 when it comes to regifting, so we do this quite a bit apparently. <laughs> Time now to find out what's happening in the month of December at the Hancock Historical Museum. Some year-end programs and events. Lauren Etler is with us, special events and communications coordinator for the museum. And a pinch hitting uh, this morning, as uh, we know, uh, Sarah's sister no longer with the historical museum. Normally we would talk with Sarah, but she's no longer Uh, With the uh, museum, and the the search continues for a uh, new uh, director. Correct. Yes, Chris, you're
6: right. Thanks for having me on.
0: Hopefully, we'll have news on that front sooner rather than later, but that process continues. In the meantime, things continue at the museum. It's a little bit different, I would imagine, uh, around around the place. It is. We
6: miss Sarah, um, but we are marching forward. The first thing happening uh, is this, or tomorrow, I guess, is uh our brown bag lecture. Mm -hmm. Local historian Ron Ammons is going to be presenting um, on the Battle of the Bulge. That is at noon at the museum. Mm -hmm. It is free for museum members. And $3 for non-museum
0: members. It's so fascinating. Uh, Anything having to do with World War II is really fascinating when you kind of dig into the details on this. And the Battle of Bulge, obviously a very uh, significant uh, battle, last offensive of uh, the Germans uh, on the uh, Western Front. So a lot of uh, really interesting information, I I would imagine. Yes, and
6: Ron is great. He is a fantastic speaker, so
0: we're happy to have him. Now, uh, as we have uh, mentioned in the past, uh, this happened. Happens at noon on uh, the first Thursday of the month. Yes. So uh, tomorrow morning or tomorrow at noon, uh, folks can just bring a... Yep, bring a sack bring a lunch. Sack yep. lunch, hence the name. Yep. Um, And it is free for museum members. Yep, it is free for museum members and $3 for non-members. Okay, so uh, check that out. You do have a big event coming up over the weekend, both uh, Saturday and Sunday, right? Yes,
6: yes. It is our annual Christmas Open House. It happens two days, like you said, Chris. It is Saturday, December 9th from 5 to 8 p.m. and Sunday, December 10th from 1 to 4 the museum is fully decorated for the holidays, uh, and it will have activities, games, and crafts for all ages.
0: That's got to be fun to decorate the museum for yes. Christmas. I'm going to
6: give a plug here. That is all our curator, Joy. She works hard uh, <laughs> between Halloween and uh, the first of December to get the museum decorated, and so it looks beautiful. It's very nice.
0: Did she do it all by herself, or does she, everybody lend a hand?
6: We do have some volunteers. Mm-hmm. Altrusa comes in and helps. Okay, uh, so yeah, she. But but she does a lot of the heavy lifting herself it's all
0: under her direction. Yes, it is. Yeah, that's it a, is. that's a lot of fun. Yes. Um, and, uh, again, this will be one of the last chances to see everything in the museum this year because the museum is closed in the month of January. Yes,
6: we are closed in the month of January. We are busy, uh, doing new exhibits, Um, kind of, it's kind of a construction zone. So Mm -hmm. yes, before Christmas, make sure you come see us. Um, This Saturday and Sunday, you'll get to visit with Father Christmas and Mrs. Claus. We do have a special display of antique German nutcrackers, smokers, and Christmas pyramids uh, from the private collection of Mrs. Voltrod Mullinger. So that is something special that we don't normally have. Uh, On Saturday evening, you will get to listen to... Um, the Finley String Factor Quintet from Finley High School. They'll be playing okay. Christmas
0: music as well. Very cool. So yeah. this is Saturday evening and then Sunday afternoon? Yep, 1 right? to 4 on Sunday. Okay, yep. one, uh, 5 to 8 uh, on Saturday, 1 to 4 uh, on Sunday Uh, And just regular admission to the uh, museum?
6: It's actually only a dollar. Okay. So again, if you want to come visit us, this is the perfect
0: time. Uh, It's only $1 per person. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, circle that on the calendar for this weekend. And then another holiday-themed event is this this month's Classic Movie Night.
6: Yes, Classic Movie Night is happening Friday, December 15th at 7 p.m. We will be playing Holiday Affair. Uh, and it is free to the public, so you can come. Please join us for a Christmas uh, movie.
0: And uh, Robert Mitchum, Janet Lee, 1959, Holiday Affair. There you go. Um, that'll be on the uh, 15th. What is the time on that? 7 p.m. 7 p.m., okay. Yep, doors, the
6: movie, uh, there's historical content before, and then the movie starts a little after seven
0: yeah. so get there a little early that's the neat thing about the uh, classic movie night is you get uh, a little historical yeah. context uh on the film uh, as well so again something to circle on the calendar uh for next week i guess that's uh coming right around the corner uh, a couple of other things to mention here real quickly as we said the museum is closed in the month of january and you rework the exhibits a little bit and there's always so there's always something new um what are you working on for next year? I don't know if you want to necessarily sure, give away, yeah. uh, let the cat out of the bag, but I'm well, going to ask anyway.
6: We have been having some fun. We've been wanting to relive our childhood a little bit. So okay. we are uh, featuring an exhibit on the 90s. <laughs> so uh, if you have anything on the 90s, pictures, memories, okay. give us a call, email Joy. Uh, we, we've we loved reliving
0: See now I'm going to say that this is not history to me because I'm a little bit older than that I was I was an adult in the 90s so this thinking of this as history is uh, difficult but it is 30 years ago. You're right.
6: Unfortunately, yeah. we can't believe it, but we were <laughs> children, high schoolers in the yeah. 90s, and we are reminiscing on Betty Spaghetti and all <laughs> kinds of 90s alternative rock, so okay. we've been having fun with it. All
0: them. right. So uh, we'll look forward to that. Uh, and if... Folks, want to see the, the stuff that's been on display all year, if you haven't had a chance or you want to go back and see it again, uh, this is going to be your last chance through the uh, end of this month.
6: Yes, right? correct. Please, at the same time, visit our gift shop. Right,
4: that's you, the other thing.
6: Yes, you can give uh, the gift of local history through a membership. Uh, we have a beautiful collection of Finley glass uh, that is for sale. And right now, through the 22nd, is all pieces are 20% off.
0: If you want something that is unique... Uh, truly unique, something that will be uh, treasured and that people are not going to get a bunch of. This That makes a, a great gift. It does. And then you've got uh, all kinds of other things in the gift shop uh, as well. Yes,
6: we have t-shirts, uh, different things for children, a lot mm-hmm. of history books, yeah. local history books, uh Yeah, it's just a great little selection. As
0: you mentioned, you can actually give a gift of of museum membership to somebody who is uh, really interested in history.
6: Yes, that is correct. We will do a special little membership card with a letter For you to stick on the Christmas tree. Okay. So, yes, that is, we'll definitely do that for you. And there
0: are a lot of benefits. I mean, obviously, membership will get you into the museum, but beyond that, there are other benefits as well.
6: Correct. There are discounts to almost all of our programming. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have special events throughout the year. You have special access to uh, some features at the museum. We are also part of um, two new reciprocal programs. So you get discounts at other museums as
0: well. All right. Uh, And if folks uh, are interested in dropping by the gift shop or visiting the museum or getting a membership either for themselves or someone else, um, what are the hours? We are open Wednesdays
6: through Fridays from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. and Sundays 1 to 4.
0: Okay, And uh, the gift shop and all of that will be open during the open house this weekend, too? Yep, that is correct. Uh, again, uh, Lauren Etler is Special Events and Communications Coordinator for the Hancock Historical Museum to talk about what's happening in the month of December. Lauren, thanks very much for dropping by. We thanks, appreciate Chris. It. And that will finish up our podcast for today. And our thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program today. Of course, remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about at our webpage, and that, of course, goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, among other things, we'll tell you about a couple of really cool events happening this weekend in the community that are sure to put you into the Christmas spirit while reminding us of what the holiday is really all about. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.